So I know everyone around my age uh, and older, will be, you'll be singing that the rest of the day. Uh, those of you younger, you're like, what was that song they were playing today? Yeah. Well, welcome to Palm Sunday. Uh, it's, a, it's a great Sunday on Palm Sunday because we celebrate, really, beginning of this Easter season. Now, if you study the Gospels and, and you like getting into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll recognize that this whole celebration of Easter started the day that Jesus popped into public ministry. Uh, but... Nonetheless, we kind of celebrate the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday as the mark to this, this Easter season here. And so what is this triumphal entry all about? Um, in fact, I, I used to ask the question, why is it so triumphal? Doesn't it end kind of tough at the end of the week? Well, this triumphal entry, if you remember, this is when we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And he's being celebrated as he comes in. Now, if you have your Bibles, take a look at Luke chapter 19, and just put your finger at verse 31. We're going to read that in just a few minutes. Luke chapter 19, verse 31. But we're celebrating when Jesus came in. In fact, over in our kids program today, your kids are celebrating this, and they are working through this lesson the same. In fact, tonight at all of our small groups, we've sent curriculum off that really highlights the four different accounts in the gospel of the, the Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry passages, which shows up in all four gospels, which is a little unique for some of the stories. And so that, uh, that'll be there for your small groups as well. So I'm going to focus, though, a little bit uh, on this, this issue of the triumphal entry. You see, we actually, we get word about it all the way back in the Old Testament. Keep your thumb where, where I shared with, uh, with you there in Luke. But in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, we find in the Old Testament, we get this preamble to this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, this is something that we find in the Old Testament. It, it's actually prophesied, and this is the day. And so anyone who was familiar with the scripture, there was triumph, there was excitement on this day when Jesus came into town. In fact, the song that they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That song, it's actually from Psalm 118. It's part of that passage. And so they're singing scripture when they come in or when Jesus comes in. That's what's going on in this celebration here. Now, you'll know in this, as they're coming into town, they start laying their cloaks and palm branches down in celebration. Now, I've been to a few parades in my life. I camped out for the Rose Parade one year, and that was a miserable experience uh, to, to camp out in the cold for that. But uh, we didn't lay anything down for the people that came down the parade route. I didn't, like, yank off my shirt and lay it down for them. I didn't cut anything off trees and lay it down. But that's what happened for Jesus. Have you ever asked why? Why did they do such a thing? It was actually a custom that when you honored somebody on the parade route, you covered their path. And we actually see it somewhat on the, the red carpet, right? Uh, there in Hollywood, that they walk down this red carpet. It's a similar type of thing. We find it all the way back in the Old Testament. Jehu is a son of Jehoshaphat. When he comes in and they celebrate and honor him, they lay down the palm branches and they lay down cloth for him to walk on. 
And so it's a similar thing that's going on for the celebration of Jesus when he comes in. Now, I've heard this story of Palm Sunday all the way back to when I first started going to church in uh, my teen years. I was a sophomore in high school, I think the first time that I kind of heard this story. And I've heard many messages being taught on it. But I want to tell you a passage that really intrigues me about the whole story. It's found where I ask you to put your finger... Luke chapter 19, verse 31. Take a look at this. Jesus took the twelve aside, and he told them, We are going to Jerusalem. You get the time frame. This is before the triumphal entry that we're celebrating today. And everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man, that's himself, will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. So here's Jesus taking his closest of followers together, and he is saying, look, this is what's going to happen to the Son of Man. Now, you have to remember, the disciples here, they knew who Jesus was talking about many times when Jesus told, like, great, happy stories about the Son of Man coming, and now he is here among you, and they cheered and celebrated this. But now when they hear about the destruction of the Son of Man, even though they would have known the scriptures that were found in the Old Testament, they were very confused. In fact, verse 34, if we were to continue reading, tells us there that they went away not understanding what they had just heard. Uh, there was this, call it form of denial, this not being able to connect the dots on what Jesus was saying. But Jesus, he knew exactly. Now, this was not one of those where Jesus knew, hey, I got to go in and I got to do something hard. Now, have you ever had that experience where you don't really know what's before you, but you know it's not going to be easy? You've got to jump into and it's going to be a mess. We've been watching this show called Flip or Flop. You know, have you ever seen this show? They buy houses, and they want to flip the houses, but some of the houses are so incredibly bad, there's nothing they can do for the house. Now, I suppose the drama of the show is we're never actually going to see an episode where they open the door and everything's beautiful and perfect. Um, that would make for a pretty boring show. But every single show, there is some major crisis that they have. But they never know. They just know it could be bad. This is not that kind of story for Jesus, right? Jesus knows exactly what's in front of him. Jesus, he knows the Old Testament as well as anyone. He's a teacher. Remember, his title is rabbi. And as rabbi, he would have had to have almost the entire Old Testament memorized. And so Jesus knew exactly what was in front of him. Knew exactly. In fact, let me just share a couple things. He knew about the betrayal of Judas, one of his closest. It says that in Psalm 41. He knew that his disciples were going to abandon him. Why? Because Zechariah 13 talks about that. He knew that he would be the sacrificial lamb because Isaiah 53 talks all about that. He knew he was going to be mocked. That was in Isaiah 50. He knew his body was going to be mutilated. That's, that's news he already knew. Psalm 22. And he knew in the end he would be crucified. And that's in Isaiah 53. So as Jesus is sharing this with his disciples, he knows exactly what's in front of him. This is not one of those things where he knows it could be bad, but once he gets into it, it's a whole lot worse than he thought. He knew clearly what he would have to encounter to go and, and go to the cross. He knew exactly. 
And so look at this passage again when he says, look, we're going to Jerusalem. That's the key. You see, when we talk about this fighter series and we think about Jesus, we think about Jesus in terms, and the Bible is accurate about this, that Jesus did not come as a military leader to fight in that way. In fact, if anything, we would say he was the opposite of that, and he, he came to bring some sort of peace, right? But here, Jesus is clearly a fighter. You see, he knows what's in front of him, he knows what he has to endure, and he says to his disciples, we are going that path. That's where we're headed. That's what has to be done. And Jesus marches right into it. Many of you have seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, and so you've gotten this visual, or maybe the best visual depiction of what we're talking about in the crucifixion uh, setting. If you haven't seen that movie, good one to sit and watch. It's, it's not the easiest one to work through and get through, but to put the visual to it sometimes hits us in a way that the words don't quite do. Jesus knew that was in front of him, and yet he walked that path, and he turned to his disciples, and he said, we are going to Jerusalem. Can you see the fight that's in Jesus? Can you see the fighter mentality of saying, it's in front of me, it won't be good, but I'm going either way? You see, we often think of the opposite of fighters. We use the word quitter, right? Um, a quitter would not be somebody we would, we would think of as a fighter, and Jesus clearly here, I mean, he could have, this is a day and age where he could have gone into hiding just about anywhere. He could have, you know, gone to the next city and been very close and probably hid pretty well. But he doesn't do that. He turns to his disciples and he says, we're going to Jerusalem. And then he says, everything that's been written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. And so he marches forward. You know, I'm in, just so intrigued by that. I know there's times in my own life when I look and I know things are going to be difficult and things are going to be hard. Some things that I brought on myself and I'm going to have to now deal with the consequences of those things. Some things that I wasn't at fault at all. I just, it's just hard because sometimes life is hard. Sometimes it's because it's something good that I need to get to and it's hard to go through that trial to get to that place. And I would tell you today, I would, or I'd love to tell you today, that in every one of those situations, I've just, like Jesus said, that's what's in front of me, I'm going to pound through it. But I'm going to be honest with you, often I have looked for the shortcut. I've looked for the way around it. Or I've avoided it altogether. I've put it aside where I've just said, you know, I, I'm just going to ignore that and not deal with it entirely. When I was in Chicago, some of the toughest times in the three years were financial times for us. Hardest financial times we've ever had. And I know for many times, I just, I didn't even want to look at the bank account because I just wanted to put it off because it was just too hard to figure out at the time. Are you with me on, on that type of thing? Jesus has this hard thing and he's about to walk down and to deal with it. And this is the most amazing thing about Jesus in the whole account of the Holy Week is the first step towards Jerusalem. I would guess today that many of you, you have incredibly hard things in front of you right now. Uh, uh, just relationally, we deal with hard things all the time, do we not? I mean, marriage situations, situations with our kid, you know, you get into a little tiff with your neighbor five years ago and it lingers on. There's all kinds of hard things that happen in relationships that tend to be tough. And I would ask this morning, have you walked the one step, as Jesus did, one step towards the hard part of bringing reconciliation? 
maybe for you this morning, uh, the hard stuff has nothing to do with uh, your fault. You, it wasn't your fault. It's just that it, it came about and you're dealing with it. And I would ask you this morning as well, have, have you taken any one step forward to investigate what, what, is, what would God want in this? How does God want me to deal with this situation? Or does it kind of sit on the back burner or are you running from it entirely? The message of Jesus this morning to us is when the hard thing is there, it's time to go and endure it. It's time to go. And here's why. I want to just share with you a couple things that I think are, are ways that we attack the fight and we see this with Jesus here in this account. Number one is we, we need to have a plan. Jesus has a plan here. He goes and he tells his disciples, go and, and ask about this, this colt, this donkey who's never been ridden, and, and bring that to me. And then we're going to have a meal together, and at that meal I'm going to share with you guys and talk to you about some things. He introduces communion at that meal with, with the, the bread and the cup, and then he goes to the cross. You see, Jesus has this plan in place on how he's going to now walk down the path. He's really, what he's doing in his plan is he's building into his disciples to continue on what is, uh, is now going to be really their fight to have when he ascends up into heaven. It's going to be their fight. And so he's teaching them and building into them and building them up. That's part of his plan. Part of his plan was just we have to go to Jerusalem. We have to see these people and be in front of these people who are going to come against us. But he has his plan. In fact, it's not really even his plan. It's God's plan that he says, look, this is the plan I have for you. And even as my son, even though they are the Trinity, they're divine three in one, Jesus has this plan on earth that's God's plan, and he pushes them and leads them that direction. And I really do believe that the same is true for us, that God has a plan and a direction for your life. In fact, I would say um, now as a 41-year-old that somewhere around this time, or you know, maybe started four or five years ago, we start to really investigate more seriously, what am I doing with my life? Am I following any plan that God had for me? Or we say things like, I've said it, how did I get here? How did I get to where I was? I don't think this is where God would have been directing me, but Lo and behold, here I am in life. You see, I think there's a plan God has for us, and just the same as here, when hard things come, we have to have God's plan and move forward in that. So Jesus had this plan that was given to him by God, and he walked this path in this final week of his life on earth. Here's a second thing that's, that's neat here is we find that we, we have to communicate what's important, that Jesus communicated the most important things of his life to his disciples, to the leaders that arrested him, he communicated the most important things that he needed to communicate. And you might think, well, what's the big deal about communicating the most important things? Because I think when we communicate what's important, guess what happens? We stay focused on the thing that we really need to stay focused on. For Jesus, the fight that was in front of him, the thing that he needed to stay most focused on at that time is that I am going to the cross. I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb for the sins of everyone. And that's what we find that he communicated most the last week of his life. He communicated it repeatedly. I'd love for you to read the accounts in the Gospels of that last week and see how many times Jesus communicates this important message. And I think the same as true to us, that 
When we're locked into something, we have to communicate. A relationship issue, whether it's your wife, your kids, a, a battle, like I said, relationally, communicating what's so important that we find reconciliation in this marriage, that we find reconciliation in this father-son or father-daughter or mother-daughter, whatever it is, relationship, and that we communicate those things, the most important things in that. And Jesus continually does that all the way up to the point where he hangs on a cross. And finally, and it's probably the most clichéest thing I could say this morning, but we find he doesn't give up. He just doesn't give up. Yeah, all the way to the end, all the way to the cross, Jesus endures. Now, you might say, well, hey, after he was arrested, it was kind of all downhill from there. He just, you know, went with the show after that. Not so. If you look at his words, what he says, how he says it, it was clear he was still following God's plan. It was clear he was still communicating what's important, which makes us believe he wasn't giving up on his purpose there all the way through to the very end when he bowed his head and breathed his last. And this is what Jesus did. And so this morning, um, I don't know what it is for you, um, what you're dealing with. I don't know how hard it is. It could be something that's not really that hard, but from your perspective, it's a little more overwhelming. Or it could be something that everyone on the planet Earth would look at and go, I have no idea how you're, you're going to handle that and deal with that situation. Guess what? doesn't matter on what level the opportunity is still the same. That Jesus, I think the encouraging word of Palm Sunday is that no matter how hard it is in front of us, that God has a plan he wants us to walk, that he allows us to communicate what's really important to keep us focused. And then he says, just, just don't give up. I'll walk with you all the way to the end. All the way to the point that you find victory in this. Do you know, uh, as we finish off this morning, I was trying to think about a good example that was like corporate for us. And I thought, um, you know, one of the things that I was amazed about, I learned this a few years ago, is that did you know that 97% of people, Christians, will never lead somebody to Jesus Christ? You know that? 97% of people will never like have the opportunity to pray with somebody to become a Christian or, or be a part of that, uh, leading somebody. And I thought, surely that cannot be true. 97%. That sounds way, 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 way too high, right? So then um, I got the results of this survey that they did and thousands and thousands of, of Christians and lots of questions. So you, you, uh, you couldn't just like straight say what you thought. The questions would interpret what uh, you, you really think about this. And guess what the results came back to? Right about 97%. It was a little, little off, a couple of percent off, but right about the same percent. I thought that's absolutely amazing that. Why? Because I really think when we look at it, it's hard, right? It's hard to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. It's hard to, to offer them an opportunity to become a Christian. It's, it's a tough task. It's been tough for me, and I'm like, I'm a pastor, and it's tough sometimes. You know, it's not easy to even offer an invitation sometimes to somebody coming to, uh, to church with us. Um, well, not all of us. I mean, a couple of you, you know, you're like over the top in it. Um, and that, and we have to actually scale you back a little bit. Uh, in fact, I, I want to show you a little video of, of what I'm talking about.
All right, so much of, most of us aren't quite like that. But, the, but let's take this issue in, this, in the final couple minutes. Uh, talk about, um, like, how would we put into practice those things that, that we learned today? Um, when we're thinking about wanting to, to share Jesus Christ with somebody else, uh, work, family member, whatever the case, it would be equal, as we've shared, to having some sort of plan in place, some opportunity that you can open up a door to be able to talk with them or have a relationship with them or put them in a setting where you can talk. Maybe a plan is as simple as inviting them over for dinner one night, having a, a neighborhood gathering. I don't know. You're creative enough, but having some sort of plan in place. How about communicating the most important things with somebody else? Have you ever had somebody that you'd like to know Jesus, but you recognize in all the time there you've never actually communicated anything about Jesus Christ, and other than maybe they know you go to church and such. Having opportunities to put in the most important things in your life, and sharing it from a perspective of saying, here's what, you know, here's what Jesus did, here's the change I found in my life. And then finally, how about never giving up? Um, now this can be interpreted a little wrong sometimes, never giving up as you need to pester and bother somebody all the time via our video. But no, it's never giving up. Knowing how to back off and then come back another time and how to back off and come back another time. And here's a great little strategy to seeing somebody come to know the Lord, at least have the opportunity to share with them. But you could take this, as we've learned this morning, and use it really in any area of your life, any tough thing 
before you. We had fun with Eye of the Tiger this morning and the guys playing it, but um, I, uh, I somewhat know what the song is talking about. You see, every once in a while when I'm sparring at Taekwondo, when we rotate, I look across and there is a fiery redhead right across from me who I otherwise know as my wife. Um, and normally it starts off just fine, uh, but eventually at some point, every once in a while, it's somewhat the eye of the tiger pops out. Um, in fact, it might be a little bit beyond the eye of the tiger. I want to respectfully say that it's, it's somewhat like when the Incredible Hulk goes from Dave Banner and the eye starts to pop just before he turns green. Somewhat like that, but the eye of the tiger I understand. But what I know at that moment, in that simple eye, what Shri is communicating is, I'm about to flat out bring it. <laughs> if you would like to stay standing in my way, you may, but uh, it's coming. Um, and I think that that is what Jesus is communicating is that when something is in front of us that God is directing and leading us in, we got to go. we got to go and follow him, follow his plan, communicate and stay focused, and not give up. Let me pray for you in this area this morning. Father, thank you uh, for this Palm Sunday. Thank you that the story of, of this triumphal entry, Lord, and Sometimes we don't even realize the same ones that were cheering might be the same ones that were there chanting towards crucifixion. But Father, what we know is Jesus does not change that week. He stays focused. And Lord, I know that for some this week that what they need to hear from you is to not give up and not to change, but to stay, stay guided on your path and what you're leading and where you're guiding them. That they may overcome whatever hard thing. Lord, we're praying that, that not only would we find victory and overcome in these areas, Lord, but that you would use us as a testimony to share with other people, whether at work or friends or, or wherever, an opportunity to share with them what you've done in our life, that we might see you work in their lives as well. We pray for those opportunities. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Well, in just a couple minutes when our, our ushers will come through and they will take up uh, the cards. And I want to tell you, this week uh, we have the opportunity of getting in here early and setting up for our Good Friday service. So if you have availability on uh, Thursday to be able to come in and set up early in the daytime, if you would just let us know on your card and I will call you and, and we'll kind of get together and and uh, get the best time when we can set up and be ready to go on Thursday. That would be great. Take as many of the invite cards uh, as you'd like for Easter next week. And uh, as always, any prayer requests you have, we pray every Monday morning for those. Put those on the card, drop them in the offering, and that would be great. All right, well, uh, you guys have a great afternoon. And this, I can actually say, enjoy the sun, and I'm right. Last time I said that, we walked out and it was raining. But uh, today, I'm right on. It is sunny. So enjoy the day. Why don't you stand with me and... and We'll let the